Jennifer was just noting that it's a stark contrast, the music we were just listening to, considering before this I was playing ACDC's Ball Breaker. But I didn't think that that was appropriate for a church service. So, Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, what is church service number 40. And we're going to have a good time today. This might go a little long. I'm just warning you right now because uh, there's a lot of things to discuss. I know I say that all the time. But I try to be concise with these things, but this topic is um, pretty heady. There's a lot of things to cover, and um, so we'll get into it. So shalom, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. I'm an author, documentarian, husband, homesteader, preacher, teacher, musician. I do a few things. I've got a few books that you might be interested in. And Christmas is coming up. If you want to help a brother out, help the church out, and get these in the hands of some people. Lord Jesus Christ, of course. Pie in the English Alphabets, Volumes 1 through 3. And The Peacock's Tales. The Alchemical Writings of Claudia Pavonis. We're going to be talking about um, a lot of the stuff that's actually in this this book here today. Some of the, um, the alchemical processes. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We also have Bibles and Rosaries for those of you that... Oh, I forgot to grab the Rosary. Anyway, for those of you that also want to give a gift or uh, just have it on your shelf, that sort of thing. So welcome all. Thank you all for being here. We do service every Sunday, as you guys know, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And it uh, looks like all the good folks are here. Uh, Gnostic, um, Gnostic Revelation Mysteries, Amor Walking Hug. That's what he is. Solid is here. Be Mustard, Broken Bear. Dan, Spicy Sarah. Hey, Spicy Sarah. William Gensky, Taylor Lord, Made Taylor. Hey, what's happening? Mark Brotherson, thank you all for being here, guys. Okay, um, yeah, if you want to stop by the site, GnosticAcademy.org, um, <clears throat> become a member. It's the best way to support the work. Uh, 14 bucks for three months, 14 uh, or 54 for the year, and you can do repeating charges, that sort of thing, but uh, lots of things on the site for you to bite your teeth into. So uh, I'm just going to get a few things out of the way before we get going here. Uh, I just want to say thanks to Content Safe. Um, they are the ones that are getting me on BitChute and Rumble and Odyssey. And it looks like Rumble's up and running now. So if you want to not watch this stuff on YouTube or whatever because you don't want to support them, Rumble is up and running. I think Odyssey will be next. And then we're I think they're working on BitChute. And then we are streaming to... Am I streaming to Rockfin? Let's see if I'm a liar. No, I am streaming to Rockfin, but I always forget to say go live. So, um, yes... So we're streaming to Rockfin and, of course, YouTube. And there's a bunch of good stuff over at Rockfin if you want to check it out. So there's lots of places to go. So thanks to Content Safe for that. Also, uh, next week, next Friday, we're going to be doing the True Earth Mount Miru Summit. Um, I'll be speaking Friday, and that's Pacific Time, uh, 6 to 7 on Friday, November 11th. And so you can go to Thames, T-E-M-M-S dot live, and you can get your tickets there. And I would really love to see. I don't know how many people have signed up, but I would really love to see 20, 30, 40, 50 of you sign up. It would really help uh, help us out, help the the summit out so they can do it next year and all that. And there's a bunch of really great people speaking and entertaining and, and doing, um, you know, uh, comedy sketches and that sort of thing. We'll be, um, uh, Peggy Hall is going to be there. Jaron, uh, Brian at High Impact Vlogs. David, Mr. Avocado Wolf, uh, BB, Big Bear, Benjamin, Balderson, or excuse me, but, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but you know, BB, uh, Big Bear there. Alex Stein, um, Eddie Bravo, Globebusters, Cats, Austin Witsit, etc., etc., etc. You can see all the people there. It's going to be really great. And so all talking about our true earth. 
and I think you guys will enjoy the presentation I'm going to give. So, um, also doing one day of brightness, we're going to be talking about the the winter solstice. Um, doing about an hour and a half, and this is I'm not exactly sure that when this is. This is December 18th, right before the winter solstice. We're going to be talking about the winter solstice. We'll be doing like an hour and a half with uh, Lindsay, and I'm not sure who this other guy is. Joshua Lewis. Nice to meet you, Joshua. I don't know who this guy is. I've never heard of him, but we're doing a conference together, and so I'm going to be talking about some of the things we talked about today and some of the things we talked about last week as well. So if you get a chance, go support. I appreciate it. I just have to say a few thank yous before we get going here. 1221, Mark Brotherson. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Marty has become an organist and left guitarism. No, I, no there's, I can't play piano at all. Look at these fat sausages. You think these things can... Freaking, you know, I, you know the the ebony and ivories. I can't I can't tickle them. I can't with these little sausages. So I have to stick to guitar. So I, I want to say thank you to a bunch of people that have been supporting and supportive last week and that sort of thing. So Gwendolyn H, uh, you have to send us an email because I I got your message. I got your letter. Thank you very much. And your rosary package and everything should be sent out, but we could not read the email. So if you're listening and you hear this, which I'm sure you will, please send me an email so we can get you set up at the site. Because I couldn't read your chicken scratch, though it was lovely chicken scratch. Don't get me wrong. So uh, Michael S., I gotta I gotta say thanks to Michael S. He's been supporting every month for uh, quite a while. And so Michael, um, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, so we're just gonna go with S. But you know, you know who you are. Thank you so much for your support, Eric C. Is always in here uh, doing, um, giving his love. Uh, J.M. Grassi, thank you so much. We got your uh, donation as well. Stella, welcome to the church. Mark Brotherson is always here killing it. It's already true. Mary, Deborah Stille. Yes, I know how to pronounce your last name, but I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. And Small Axe, taking the Small Axe and chopping down the big tree. And KCA, I want to say thanks to KCA. He had sent a nice message in support of all the nonsense and hate. Lots and lots of hate I've been getting online lately. It's It's been exponentiating. Must be over a target or something. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, just so you guys know, I'm going to say thank you to everybody there. I just want to uh, let you guys know, too, I've been hard at work the last week getting the next book out. And I honestly think I'll get it out. I'll probably be done writing it in like a month. It's, it's going to be probably about 300 pages, something like that. It's called Scripture in the Stars. And I'm assuming that I'll actually get most of it written this month if I can stay on course. Um, and I'm hella excited for it. I'm, I'm making it super easy to read. It's going to be less than about 300 pages. The last maybe 40, 50 pages, something like that or more, are going to be um, basically a reference manual to all the stars. So uh, basically, you can pick this book up and it's like, hey, I want to know about said constellation. What's its etymology? What is the history of it? You know, it's like, what is the mythology? Boom, you got a reference manual right there. So the, the last two books I'm, I've created, I mean, all the stuff that I create is really educational material. As you guys know, I only create educational material. But um, it's really sort of taking what we did here with the numbers, looking at 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, how they relate to Christ and that sort of thing. But also, but then doing that with astrology, doing that with the stars and the canopy above, just basically helping you familiarize yourself with those constellations so you can get to know them and start picking them out of, of scripture. So uh, these, are the, these are the chapters I've got done thus far, just about 10. 
Um, Let Them Be for Signs, Noah's Ark, the Tetramorph, the Great Red Dragon, and the Beast of Revelation, St. John of the Wilderness, and Baptizing in the River Jordan, Jesus Tempted by the Devil, Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, Mount of Olives, and the Judean Desert, uh, Feeding About 5,000. So I've already got those chapters done, and we already have the reference section pretty much done. So we're hoping that, I don't think it'll be out by Christmas, but hopefully released around then. So um, if all goes well, and you know, God willing in the creek don't rise kind of thing. So $10, Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Thank you so much, Mr. Amor. Thank you. Um, so let's do a prayer and then let's get into it. Oh, great spirit, whose voice I hear in the winds and whose breath gives life to all the world. Hear me, I need your strength and wisdom. Let me walk in beauty and make my eyes ever hold the red and purple sunset. Make my hands respect the things you have made and my ears sharp to hear your voice. Make me wise so that I, am, that I may understand the things you have taught my people. Let me learn the lessons you have hidden in every leaf and rock. Help me remain calm and strong in the face of all that comes towards me. Help me find compassion without empathy overwhelming me. I seek strength not to be greater than my brother, but to fight my greatest enemy, myself. Make me always ready to come to you with clean hands and straight eyes, so when life fades as the fading sunset, my spirit may come to you without shame. And that was translated by Lakota Sioux Chief Yellow Lark back in the Dizay. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Goes a lot, uh, pretty well with the last live stream we did, which I hope you guys, not a lot of people watched it, and I didn't really think a lot of people would, but it was a pretty important one because we talked about the Prisca Theologia. Basically, and we're going to um, expound on that today, basically leapfrog um, off that today. And basically understanding that God has given, there is only one God, and God has given one theology and one spiritual directive to man. And as we're going to find out, he put that in the stars above. And that's what we're going to learn today. So today we're going to do an alchemical view on astrology. Okay, and let's just jump into it. So we're going to look at astrology, but from um, the point of view that, that I take, how I've understood astrology over the years. And that is through the eyes of an alchemist. So let's get into it. First off, let's read from Mr. Manley Palmer Hall. Uh, the science of astrology. You guys good in here? No one's arguing? Everybody's being good? Yes. Thank you. Looking forward to that book. It's going to be good, Deborah Stilley. Um, I'm very, you know, when you're in a, a creative project and things just go well, there's a flow to it. And that's when you know you're kind of in the right space. And that's really where it's been. I've just kind of sat down and just, it just kind of comes out. And I'm very happy with it thus far. A lot of graphics so that when I explain something, I, I'm not verbose about it. I go right into it. I explain, you know, what, what the the relationship to the story of the constellation, then I'm like graphics showing everything. So very detailed, but very um, digestible. Um, so um, so you're not gonna have to sit there and pour through 500 pages or something like that. This is something you can pick up, read a chapter, put it down, you know, and that sort of thing. So <clears throat> Manley Palmer Hall, the science of astrology had its beginnings with the most learned nations of antiquity. The first astrologers were priests and philosophers who found no conflict between the principles of astrology and the sacred philosophical systems which, which ancient historians agree were first revealed to humanity by the gods. Thus, astrology not only conforms with those universal laws which were the foundations of ancient wisdom, but it is also perfectly compatible with ancient standards of morality and ethics. And so astrology, here's another one that's pretty good. Millionaires don't use astrology. Billionaires do. And it's supposedly from, supposedly, supposedly from J.P. Morgan, 
who uh, just, I, I believe, just canned Ye. What's that guy's name? Um, Kanye. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Black man calling out some people recently. Anyway, apparently they kicked, he had like $140 million or something like that in their bank, and Mr. Morgan was like, no, we don't need you, Mr. Black man. So um, apparently that guy, Mr. Morgan, who is part of the ruffian tribe, he apparently practices astrology. I don't know. So we're going to talk about astrology today, but I have to let everybody know I am not an astrologer. I've never have been an astrologer. I don't, I don't read birth charts. I don't do any of that. I don't perform divination or, you know, anything like that. Never have, really have no intention of doing that. Um, I, I come to astrology with a different perspective, just, just like I do with most of this stuff, as you guys know, hence why you're listening. But um, I study... Basically, what I do is study systems and system analysis. That's essentially what I do. So when I went to astrology, eventually I was like, okay, I wanted to look at the whole thing and see, does this have a legitimacy? Is this just a bunch of honky nonsense, right? And so the, in doing so, I used was hypercritical and hyperanalytical over the years and found out, yes, there is absolutely something to astrology. Even the most um, critical thinker can, can come to it and understand basics. And that we'll, we'll cover this today, what I'm, what I'm talking about. But I'm a systems analyst. Like, I analyze systems. That's what I do. So the systems that we, we look at, you know, is the number system and its correlates to geometry. What are the what is the numeric alphabet in which everybody uses universally? Zero, one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We analyze that. We look at that. We look at it in different, as we have in the, the cryptology of Christ, we look at that in different languages, uh, according to the cipher, what the meanings of those numbers are, et cetera, et cetera. We also look at the alphabet. That's one of the things that we do here with the alphabetical cipher. Not just the number to letter correlates, but you know, what you know. What what is the alphabet? What is language? We'll cover a little bit of, of that today. There's a big question mark about what language is and where it comes from, and so what we're, what I'm going to do is look at the celestial template of the zodiac as somebody that does systems analysis, and we're going to look at the system as a whole and realize that it's highly alchemical. Okay. Um. So the first thing we're going to do is what are the stars? What are the stars? Well, they're me they're metaphysical objects of truth, is what they are. And they're available to all people. And as far as we know, the patterns of the sky, meaning the, the, the way that the constellations have been placed in the sky, have been the same for a very, very long time. Now, we can't, of course, prove this, but as far as we know, that's true. In other words, there's an incorruptible canopy above our heads, a metaphysical truth that God has placed up there, that cultures across the world have, have uh, related their, their own spiritual journeys to. And that's the stars. So what are the stars? So let's go to Genesis. And God said, let there be, this is Genesis 1, 14 to 16. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them, uh, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, greater light to rule the day, lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So within the opening lines of Genesis here, just after the evening and morning of the third day, we find God commanding the lights in the firmament to have very specific functions and purposes. So as, as it's commanded, those lights upstairs have very specific functions. These lights have been created to give light upon the earth, divide the day from the night, and are to be for signs, seasons, days, and years. So of course, one of the main things that the, the, the stars do is track time. 
seasons, days, years, dividing the day from the night. As we covered last live stream, you, you can't even understand, you can't even look up and see what the stars are until the sun goes away. Hence, the sun becomes a supreme symbol. And this is really what astrology is all about, as we're going to see when we talk about tropical. We are told by the Almighty himself that the celestial objects above our head are simply lights. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. In physics, we recognize light to mean that agent which makes things visible. But in theology, we understand its role a bit deeper. When light is defined as light, those lights up there are defined as spiritual illumination by divine truth. Those lights up there, we don't know what they are, how far away they are, how long they've been there. We don't even know what they are. We can't travel to the sun. We can't travel to the moon, no matter what NASA or JAXA or ESA or any of these jack wagons have told you. No, there's not a rover roaming around on Mars. Those are not physical places that you can go and visit. They are literally metaphysical, beyond the physical. So the only thing that we can say is, well, God's placed them there and they are illuminating us to divine truth. According to the latter definition here of the, you know, this understanding the lights as uh, spiritual illumination by divine truth, it's, it's saying that God has placed these lights in the firmament to speak of divine truth. That's what they do by their very natures. So light is what is announced from the mouth of the creator when his first words were, let there be light. Scripture then confirms the undeniable infallibility of God when it then declares, and there was light. So God said, let there be light, and there was light. And this opening phrase instructs us that there is no difference between what God decrees and absolute truth. So when God says something, that's just it. That's truth. When he speaks, it is so. Or in short, light is truth. So when we look up at the, the, the canopy of the stars, what we're looking at is divine truth or a metaphysical verity, a universal metaphysical verity. Now, as you guys know, there's been a long history. Of course, this is what this is what you'll study when you go into Gnosticism and Freemasonry and Rosicrucianism and looking at the Knights Templar and the Theosophical Society. When you basically take the occult road that all of the church, all the churches today and of the past have been like, no, don't go there, right? Well, what you can actually see is that when you go down this road is that the church is really the one that's 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 uh, separated these things. That astrology and the Bible were two peas in a, in, a, in a little gay pod together, right? That you couldn't, in other words, the churches and, and uh, the Christian mystics of the past well understood that the Bible was astrological, astrotheological and astrological. And it's only in our modern churches, contemporary churches that have separated these things. So much so that they'll say, oh, astrology has nothing to do with it. You know, that it's like pure demon worship. And once again, if you just go into the history of Christian mysticism, you'll find this all day long. You don't even have to go into Christian quote-unquote mysticism. You can just, once again, go to some of these churches, cathedrals, all over the world, as Jennifer and I did when we went to Germany, and you'll find this. The, the, the prevalence of astrological symbolism was ridiculous. If you knew what to look for, it was everywhere. So you have the modern churches that have essentially cut this study off, right? And um, we're going to revive it. So it's really ridiculous that astrology has been separated from Christianity because, number one, you can't read the Bible without understanding astrology, end of story, full stop, period. And beyond that, as we'll read here, um, 
astrology has been the the foundation of uh, many different sciences, whether that's botanical, medical, etc. The study of many different fields of sciences, such as medical, botanical, psychological, have long had a connection with the movements of the planets, especially those of the sun and moon and the wandering stars. The zodiac man, is which we'll cover here in a bit, um, the zodiac man still appearing in the pages of contemporary farmer's almanacs. So you can go to your store, and the last time I, I checked, we, we you can go to the store, look at the Farmer's Almanac, and you're going to find this highly mystical, highly esoteric notion of the Zodiac Man. And the Zodiac Man is the idea where the constellations have been placed on the body of the human being. And this has been used for centuries as a, uh, by healers as a way to treat diseases and illnesses. And it's even claimed by some of the greatest physicians in recorded history that it is alone the key to health and healing. With Hippocrates declaring, um, a physician without knowledge of astrology has no right to call himself a physician. This is the, like the Hippocratic Oath was is is you know alleged anyway or is, is given um, is you know this is the origin of the Hippocratic Oath was Hippocrates here, and this dude is saying yeah you can't really heal anybody without astrology, so that's pretty interesting. The so we have this this separation this disconnect that Christianity has with astrology, and. To me, it's it's hilarious because, you know, it, it must be reminded here, let's just say this, that even the announcement of the birth of Jesus, who was called the Christ, was prophesied by the arrival of a star. Matthew 2, 2 saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. That quotation there is 365 in English gematria, by the way. So that's another thing. But beyond that... Um, why any Christian would accuse the science of astrology as devilry when such a profound declaration is being made in Scripture about the power of tracking the stars. Why, so here, the announcement of the Savior was preceded, was understood that he was going to be born by looking up in the canopy and be like, oh, there's the star. So in other words, what Matthew is saying in the very opening pages of the New Testament, Matthew's saying, Astrology has to do with prophecy. So much so that it prophesies the coming of Jesus. Now, why Now, why could we say that astrology has to do with prophecy? Well, it's pretty simple. Because what does astrology do? What does that thing in the sky do? As we've covered before, as Genesis is telling us, it's there to track and map time. So, and if time repeat if there's cycles of time it, right, history repeats itself cycles of time that their time isn't necessarily linear though we experience it as linear it's not linear it's a circular thing that we can say oh well when a certain star comes around we know that this is going to happen this is where prophecy comes from okay let us say so many outrageous failure failures of logic reason and rationale are instantly dissolved within the fundamentalist Christian paradigm when one realizes the profound nature in which astrology is intertwined with scripture. You, you can abandon your, when you understand that these stories are astrological, right? That the sto the, there's scripture in the stars, that these stories are timeless, they're happening all the time. When you understand that, you don't have to um, adopt crazy outlandish beliefs and believe you know, the Bible is history and these in crazy tales that don't make any sense. You can immediately release yourself from that, from having to abandon your logic, your rationale, and your reason, your common sense. 
your verifiability and repeatability, all the things that are the foundation of philosophy and science, you have to abandon in order to believe literally the biblical stories. Well, you don't have to do that when you're a mystic because you can actually read the Bible and realize where these, what these stories are. They're timeless and they're written upstairs. This is why we've done, uh, did the astrology of the book of Mark. We did that whole book, looked at, look at it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, showed all the astrology in it. And of course, I'll be talking about that in the new book. Um, now, there's one thing that is sort of poo-pooed, poo-pooed in, in the Christian religion, and I totally agree with this, is divination, where basically somebody comes along with divination is the practice of seeking knowledge of the future, the unknown by supernatural means, right? So if you say, oh, when we say prophecy, right? Then what do you mean? Well, let's clarify this. Am I a prophet if I say, guess what? Next December, there's not going to be as much light in the sky. The days are not going to be as long and it's going to get cold. Well, Marty, how did you possibly foresee the future? Because I'm a prophet. Or I just know the pattern of the cycle of the stars above. And that cycle is for everybody. It's universal. It's metaphysical. It's incorruptible. No one can stop it. No one's going to go up and be like, well, the sun's just going to rise in the West tomorrow. It does not work that way. So prophecy is no different than saying, guess what? The solstice is going to be here. It's going to be on this date. The sun is going to, you know, the, the, this is when the, the, the spring is going to happen. Why? Because I looked up at the prophecy. That's in the stars. This is what they're saying when they said, oh, they, they recognize the birth of Jesus. What is Jesus as we know? Well, in, in the astrological sense, is a corollary to the, the sun in one, one, of its, one of his symbolic manifestations. So you can prophesize all day long about the sun. Why? Because the sun acts like clockwork. It's like a big clock in the sky. Oh, it's going to rise in the east. There it is. There it is. There it is. And then it's going to do its pattern. And this is what astrology is all about. The, the essentially the um, recording the patterns of the seasons and man's relationship to those patterns. So divination, now somebody comes along with a birth chart and says, well, you're going to get married in two years and you're going to have three children and then you're going to have, a, you know, you're going to be an entrepreneur and then your grandma's going to die and shit like that. And that is divination because what you're saying is you're actually, you know, purveying to somebody uh, a bunch of information that you don't actually know and putting that into their head. And that can, you know, that can do a ton of harm. So that's really not what, what the difference between divination and prophecy. There's nothing really prophetic about saying, hey, the sun's going to rise over here. Though you can absolutely prophesize that that is going to be true. If you're going to say, well, oh, you're going to, you know, go broke in, in 2027 or something like that. You can't know that. You can't see into the future. So this is, this is the you know, why divination is so poo-pooed. And I, I totally agree with it. The Bible talks about, you know, doing this as well. Enchantments use divination um, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger, using divination as an observer at times or an enchanter or a witch. Um, you know, they prophesize unto you a false vision, right? And a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. A lot of people will fill your head full of nonsense. A lot of astrologers do a, a reading and stuff like that that aren't, that have no really moral ground or anything like that, that don't even know what they're talking about, but they'll do it for, you know, you pay them 150 bucks for the hour and they've got no problem taking your money and filling your head for a bunch of nonsense. 
People do this stuff all the time. They do it with Gamatria. They do it with the Tarot. They do it all this stuff. We don't do any of that here. Never, I've never have I done in the 10, 11 years I've been doing this. Never have I once done anything of the sort. So when we, like I said, we're going to look at systems analysis today. Um, one of the things that you look at when you see the totality of the zodiac is what? Well, it's geocentric. <laughs> That's a pretty important one. So when we look at the system of the Zodiac, first we have to look at like, well, that star grouping isn't actually a, a lion. And this one over there, this hook thing isn't actually a scorpion. Well, of course, we know this, right? This was obviously created, set up, designed, you know, what handed down from the gods. We have no idea. But we can look at it and say, well, this is a system that actually helps us map and track time. And when we actually utilize this system, what is the thing that we find? Well, it actually tells us about our true cosmology, that it's geocentric, that we don't know what exists outside of the earth or under the earth, or we don't, we don't necessarily know what the ends of the earth are. We don't know any of that stuff, and we'll probably go our whole lives without knowing it. But you know what astrology does tell us? That everything is centered around the earth. It's geocentric. Everything is revolving around the earth. So that's a pretty important thing to when one of the you know, pieces of high wisdom that is being passed on through the Zodiac. It's geocentric. Everything's revolving around you. Astrology also is the merging. It's a synthesis of, of observation because we don't know what the lights are. All we know is, is they're there. We don't know how far away they are. What are they composed of? Anything. We All we know is that they're lights and that we can use them to track time. Astrology is literally in the etymology or definition, it's calculation and foretelling based on observation of heavenly bodies. Just like we said, it's a prophecy. <laughs> it's really, and it's most like dumbed down sense. It's you're, you're foretelling, oh, the, the moon is going to be waxing, <laughs> right? So, but it's calculation. Astrology, and this is the important point, that astrology leads you directly into mathematics, because astrology is impossible without mathematics and geometry, full stop. You can't even create this thing. A birth chart without first being like, okay, we got this big circle and then there's like, some, you know, we're going to divide this stuff in there and there's a circle, we divide that and then these have 12 and then there's going to be this and this one's, you know, this sort of thing. You can't do any of it without mathematics. So there's a, there's a, a synthesis that happens within these two studies, okay? This synthesis is actually bleeding you to the divine leading you to a spiritual understanding of these things because you realize that these, oh, it's not like we've got astrology over here and then we've got mathematics over here and then we've got biology over here and then something else over here. No, no. As we talked about last week, God has one creation, one cosmology, one creation story, one religion, one religious directive given to you, and he has one holy science saying that they're all connected. One of the ways that we can connect all these sciences is through what? Math. Math and, math and geometry. So calculation, the only thing that we can do. We don't know what those stars are, how far away they are, what, who put them there, how long they've been there, but you know what we can do? We can track and map and calculate those stars. And that's what astrology ultimately is. It's a mapping and tracking of time. Of course, once again, the geometries of astrology, sextile, square, trine, opposition, conjunction, all of these are mathematical terms. Now, most people that even do astrology have zero, you know, um, study within math at all. They just know these things. Well, it's like, oh, this is 120 here and that sort of thing. But once again, you can see how intertwined these two studies completely are. So in other words, what I'm saying is the ancient astrologers that were uh, adept at, at this study that, that, you know, <laughs> basically that crafted this thing, 
They were, they had to be not just expert sky watchers, but expert mathematicians as well. And this is why we, one of the reasons that we focus on things like mathematics, geometry, and astrology so much. These are metaphysical sciences. And the people of the past that wrote the Bible absolutely knew this. And unfortunately, there's not enough of us that know this today. Now, astrology ultimately is a story of the sun. And this is, this is what we'll get into uh, sidereal and tropical. Because I know there's a lot of people that are interested in this. And so once again, I am not an astrologer, so I can't, I'm not, I'm only going to give you my perspective of, of understanding this over the years. Um, and so that's, that's all I could give you anyway. So astrology is the story of the sun. It's a story of the sun though, terrestrially and celestially. And this is the difference between, as far as I've understood, we talked to our friend Bonnie last night, who's been into astrology since the 70s or before that, I think. So she knows a lot about it. So we talked to her just studying it over the years. This is how I've understood it. So this is, you know, this is what I'm going to relate to you. So astrology is the story of the sun, a story of the sun in the spiritual realms and a, stor and a story of the sun in the, the material, the metaphysical and the, and the physical, right? So, um, and this is the difference between, once again, heaven, earth. We look up, that's the incorporeal, it's the celestial, it's the incorruptible, it's the unknown, it's the metaphysical. And this is what we'll see as basically the sidereal. And then the earth is basically the, the, sun, the story of the sun as it's understood on earth, the physical, the, the place of the known, the corruptible, the corporeal, okay? And as we know, the sun is the supreme symbol of the mysteries, this is when we want to understand God's, um, you know, his message to us, his lesson plan, okay? One of the ways that we understand this is through the sun, and hence why the sun is a supreme symbol of the mysteries, hence why you find sun gods everywhere. This is why, once again, we talk so much about Jesus Christ and all the mathematics being directly related to the sun. Once again, we can't even see the canopy of the stars above until the sun goes away. So we can't even understand any astrology whatsoever, you know, at all without the sun, of course, but we can't even under, can't like map and track the, the stars at all unless the sun goes away. So the sun becomes this center, central figure. So if we want to go into the Tao, into the, the way, into the way of nature and see what God wants of us, the sun becomes this supreme symbol. And this is, the sun is going to lead to, of course, um, understanding astrology. So we have two different types of uh, astrology that now, once again, I'm not an astrologer. And so people will argue and bitch about this stuff all day. And they like, you know, they'll, they'll like fight with one another. Like, no, tropical is the way to go inside here, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to give you the perspective of how I understand it. And then we'll go into the actually al the actual alchemy of the zodiac. So sidereal and tropical mean exactly what the words mean, right? So sidereal means of or pertaining to the stars. So the celestial. Okay, so really what this, the, the story, astrology is astrologia, right? It's basically the logic of the stars, the study of the stars. Well, the, the star, the lights, one of the main ones is what? The sun, okay? So it's a story of the sun related celestially and terrestrially. Sidereal is of pertaining to the stars. Starry astral um, of the constellations, as you can see, sidereal. So it's a celestial story of the sun. The tropical is pertaining to the celestial tropics, right? The, which is actually like the zones of the earth. So it's literally looking at the path of the sun. So the, let's do this. 
the tropical as 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 I've come to find tropic and it's this is what's so confusing um at least this is how it's understood by modern astrology that the tropical has really nothing to do the tropical zodiac has nothing to do with the stars itself it has to do with the sun and its relationship on earth the, the and basically it is the story of the seasons that's what tropical zodiac is the signs of the, the houses and of the zodiac, all of that, all of the houses slash signs of the tropical zodiac are named after the constellations, but they really have nothing to do with the constellations. And this is how it's at least generally understood. The story, the tropical zodiac is a story of the sun as it makes its, as its, its cycle on earth, the seasonal cycle on earth. It's divided into 12. Each one of those houses has particular qualities, how they, you know, react, um, you know, if you're born within that certain time frame, that sort of thing, you'll have these sort of qualities that, you know, that sort of thing that influence the human being. So that's what tropical is. Sidereal is the literally the sun in the backdrop of the stars in heaven. So this is, and this is how it's, this is one of the big confusions that people have. Um, the tropical zodiac is entirely sun-based and the signs are set upon the ecliptic. The tropic has everything to do with the sun. It has really nothing to do with the so with the stars in the firmament, nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with the sun and its relationship on earth. The sidereal zodiac is based on the position of the sun in relationship to the actual constellations. And this is the difference. So I'm going to have this woman here. I'm not sure what her name is. I'm sorry, but this woman who's wearing entirely too much makeup, but she's going to do a quick little two minutes on how it's generally understood the difference between sidereal and tropical today. So the tropical zodiac, um, the thing that people don't understand about the tropical zodiac, especially those who are not really super into astrology, is that it has nothing to do with the constellations other than the names of the signs. At one point, the tropical and the sidereal zodiac were the same, right? Especially at the beginning stages of Western Hellenistic astrology, uh, they were at the same point and we weren't really accounting for the precession of the equinox. By the time Western astrology in the, its current state was fully formed, we knew the difference. We knew that there was um, a precession of the equinox and uh, most astrologers actually stuck with the tropical zodiac anyway. Um, and so what the tropical zodiac is, is it actually has to do with the sun's trajectory across the sky throughout the seasons from our perspective here on earth. It has to do with the seasonal cycles in respect to our perspective in physical life here on earth. And the sidereal zodiac is very different. The sidereal zodiac actually has to do with the placement of the constellations in the sky across the ecliptic, right, which is where the sun and the planets move in the sky. And so we're, when we're talking about the sidereal zodiac, we're talking about cosmic influences that are way, way, way out there. Um, it's not, it has nothing to do with the seasons. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with where the planets are placed in the sky, um, you know, in the constellations themselves. And so they're not going to be equal segments like they are in the tropical zodiac. The tropical zodiac is divided in a very specific way. Uh, again, based on those seasonal cycles, it's based on the equinoxes and the solstices. Okay, so you basically get that there. So now one of the big contentions is is the procession of the equinoxes. And I'm not going to go over this too much because um, it's just a whole discussion in and of itself. But basically what she's saying is that the procession of the equinoxes is the claim. Now we know that the procession of the equinoxes, as it's understood in the globular model, is absolute horseshit. We know that because there's not some 
axial wobble of the ball earth that doesn't exist and then therefore it moves that none of that is nonsense it's complete nonsense but that does not mean that there isn't necessarily a slow drift of stars over time now the problem is is that we, we can't prove that the, at least as far as i'm concerned we can't prove that this is happening at all so now we have this disparity between tropical zodiac and sidereal zodiac that at least what they're saying is at one point these lined up and the procession of the equinoxes is the thing that sort of knocked them off kilter. You can take that for what you will. I, I don't see that there's any way to prove that at all. So, because we'd have to pr pr uh, prove the procession of the equinoxes first. So, and we haven't done that. So, until that gets sorted out, this is one of the biggest reasons why I do not do any sort of birth charts or anything like that. Because it's like, okay, well, which, you know, there should only be one system because there's only, once again, one God and you know, one faith and one Lord and one baptism, one, you know, all that other stuff, right? Only one directive that he's given us. So there should only be one, in my opinion, one mapping and tracking of the stars, that there shouldn't be these sort of two systems. So, but we don't have to look at, and the, well, the other thing I'll say about this is that everything that I've seen when people do um, like birth chart readings and things like that, right? This is just my own personal experience that the tropical zodiac seems to be more in alignment with people's personality traits than understood sidereally. That's just my two cents. I'm not putting any sort of money on the table with that at all. But other than I've had my own chart read, right? Or I've seen my own birth chart. And then I've also looked at several books like um, The Secret Language of Birthdays by Gary Goldschneider, that sort of stuff. And it seems like, you know, me being born in Aquarius and sun sign in Aquarius and moon Aries, that all of that stuff lines up perfectly with my own personality, like down to a T. In fact, I think in Gary Goldschneider's book, A Secret Language of Birthdays, which I'm pretty sure is all tropical zodiac, my 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 sign or my day was called the day of the poetic song which is really interesting and like there's so many so much like of the explanations of the personality traits in there that were just spot on with me so that's what made me really resonate with that because i was like you could turn the page to another you know chapter or another day and then read that and you're like that has that's not me at all it's like he's shy and reserved and doesn't like to curse well that's not me you know what I mean? like so that was the one thing I'll say. Tropical seems to, in my own experience, seems to be closer in alignment with um, personality traits. But because it's such a soft science in that sense, I, I refuse to, I always step back from it because I'm like, I, I don't want to go there because I'm more into, um, like I said, systems analysis. So um, the sidereal and tropical, you know, this they claim that 2,000 years ago these two were aligned and then they drifted apart over centuries because of the procession of the equinoxes, because the group of stars that was in Aries, where, in sidereally, where it was tropically, has now drifted back and now we're in, etc. We All I know is that we cannot prove that. So um, that is one of the biggest um, conundrums, I would say, that we have with astrology. Um, but some, some astrologers say it's no conundrum at all because they're two separate systems. Like we said, the tropical deals with the sun and the seasons on earth and really has nothing to do with the star signs. So if that is the case, then we don't really have a, we don't really have a contention. We just have two separate systems. So, um, all I know is that, you know, when you look at 
the actual star, you know, the constellations, there's really no way to map these out in any sort of logical way, right? So you look at, you know, like Aquarius is huge and Pisces is, you know, really big and Pisces actually overlaps Aries partly and Aries is just, it's like our church. It's a tiny church. Aries is really small. It's like our table at Plateauberfest is tiny. So tiny and Pisces is overlapping it. And so there's not like it's 30 degrees and 30 degrees here. When you actually look at the stars, you know, if you're trying to, uh, you know, make this really palatable and it's like, oh, here's 30. It doesn't work that way. God has not made it that way. God has made it more like this. So when we, no matter how we track it, we, as human beings, we are going to track it like this. We're going to make something we're going to make like even slices that we can say okay we're you know it's in this time in this time in this time so it's there's it makes a lot of sense in other words that why they would not people would not try to map that and instead no matter what you're using tropical sidereal whatever it is it doesn't matter what system you're using that you would take a circle and divide it into even sections another reason you would do this is why because the sun works like this the sun is like clockwork one hour 15 degrees, two hours, 30 degrees, three hours, 45 degrees, four hours, 60 degrees. You know, that's just how, that's just how the sun works. And it works like clockwork. So the sun gives you these very determinate, very easily separate, you know, easily divided slices and which is, which allows us to understand the day and the night and, and track time. So you can see why human beings would naturally do this as opposed to try to, you know, although the Aquarius is here and then there's going to be 48%, 48 degrees here. And then we're going to have 47 here. And then Aries is going to be like one degree. No, it's a, it's a jumbled mess. Um, this actually points to, um, once again, this synthesis of math and how, and I've gotten this over the years, like literally this question over the years about, oh, there's, there was, two, or, you know, this accusation or claim. Well, there was 12, there's 12 houses now, but there used to be 13 houses. Ophiuchus was part of the, the ecliptic. And so that used to be one of the houses. And so th- this is why the star map is all off and stuff like that. When people have made that claim over the years, it's, shows how the the lack of understanding that they have with this once again mathematics and astrology and the synthesis of these two because you don't need to you know look into the stars all you need to do is understand the basics of math why would human beings use why would god with this absolutely um infallible time clock being the sun why would god say hey human beings i want you to dwell i want you to divide this evenly for instance into 12 well because of ease of simplicity and because of how math works so when people come along and say well ophiuchus was part of the ecliptic and so there was 13 constellations way back in the day and now there's 12 and so this is all messed up no this is people not understanding the basics of math you would never Take a circle in which you have to divide time and make it a prime. Why? Because primes have no divisors. There's no there's no easy way to divide that circle when you use 13 or 19 or 7. It's a it's a cluster screw, right? How what I want you to do is when you get wherever you are right now, take out a piece of paper and draw two circles. And I want you to draw, I want you to divide one circle into 12. And then I want you to divide the other one into 13 even slices. Do you know how long it's going to take you to divide a square or a circle into 12? Literally 20 seconds. Two crosses, essentially. What? Two, three crosses, whatever it takes. Super simple to d- divide that 
circle into 12. Divide it into 13. <laughs> Good luck. So, you know, you can see that there's, once again, looking at this as a system, like an entire system, you can see that there is a lot of logic that went into the construction of this, just even by the math that's being used. So was Ophiuchus once part of the ecliptic and they kicked it out? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and all you have to do is understand the basics of math there. No, there's not 13, that's a prime. It has no divisors. How are you gonna divide time into 13? You're not, um, in this sense. So another thing that people will say was like, well, why do we use the, once, once again, this stuff is given by God, okay, as we're going to see. It's not like human beings just went out and they were like, well, we're just going to use 360 for the degrees of a circle and the degrees of a square. Why are we using 360? Well, number one, well, like for instance, there's 365 days in the solar year. Well, why would we just use 365 and then divide that? Well, because it only has, I think, three or four divisors, 365 has, one, five, and 73 and 1573 and 365, I think. So that's not a very, uh, you know, it's not a very easy way to divide all this time that we're going to divide by looking at the stars. God said, well, how many hours in the day are there? How many 15 degree segments does that sun? Well, 24. And it's easily calculable. 24, we divide it into hours. Why are we using 24? Well, because there's 24 divisors of the number 360. So in other words, why are we using the 360 degrees of a circle? Why 360 degrees of a square? Because of the way you can divide that geometric form. There's 24 divisors of 360. How many hours in the day? What is 360? The circle, which is what? A cycle. What is the sun doing? You see what's happening here? God himself, by just understanding the properties of numbers, I want to go and understand the property of the number 360. I do so, and you know what it's going to do? Give me natural wisdom. That's what it's going to do. Oh, well, why, why are we using 360 for the circle and square? There's an answer. Why 24 hours in the day? There's an answer. And the number itself actually provides this, this logic. So... This is, these are some of the things that, once again, why mathematics and astrology is, um, you know, they're used in conjunction. One of the things that astrology really talks about is the wheel of time. And this is something that, once again, it doesn't matter how they actually calculated it. The Mayans didn't use a 12-house system and things like that, right? Um they used a 260-day calendar, actually. Um, and then they mapped that to the 360 and blah, 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 blah. The point is, though, it doesn't matter what's, what culture you went to, whether it's the Mayans or the Grecians or the Jains or the Hindus or whatever it is, you will see that there is a hyper-focus on tracking and mapping the stars, keeping track of time, and man's relationship to that. And there's zero question about it. It doesn't matter. You can look up pretty much any of these. In fact, um, this is a Hawaiian. This is a Hawaiian book we got called Onalani Onohonu? Honua? I have no idea. Anyway, you know, and it basically, the introduction here basically talks about the Hawaiian story of creation and how they had this deep relationship to the stars above with their creation story, how they interacted in their everyday life, so much so that they did a whole, you know, each segment of the moon 
has like special characteristics and basically, um, here, let me go with this and just read one of these. Yeah, this, you know, basically, I'm not going to get into it too much, but the spiritual significance of the phases of the moon. Okay, so there's been a long study of this connection to the stars. Why? Because the lights are divine truth. The, the, the zodiac that we know, the Western zodiac, the 12 house, the houses, the signs, the constellations, whatever you want to say, have been around for a very, very, very long time as far as we understand. E.W. Bullinger, Witness to the Stars, says, No one can dispute the antiquity of the signs of the zodiac or the constellations. No one can question the accuracy of the ancient star names which have come down to us, for they are still preserved in every good celestial at, um, atlas. And this is your Dendera, zone, uh, Dendera stone, which is allegedly the oldest zodiac that we, that we know of. But if you look at this, you'll find all the constellations as we know them today in the places that they are. This is from Egypt. These star constellations are the same today. They, however long it's been around. We saw this in the Albert Durer Museum. Once again, all the constellations drawn on the celestial sphere, they're all the same names, Cetus, Aradnus, Hydra, Ursa Major, all the same, literally the same characters that we've had for, you know, however long. So this system has been given to us, in other words. Now, the modern mind would be like, well, it's just a bunch of made up stuff. How could you possibly have any, how could the Zodiac give us any sort of wisdom about who we are and the nature of creation and the nature of time at all if it's just a bunch of made-up stuff. And this is one of the big um, contentions and claims or accusations or whatever, criticisms, that modern science has. Well, this criticism falls remarkably short when you just analyze it a little bit. Let's look at our English language. The English language is, a perf is perfect at communicating knowledge and transmitting information between people. We're using it right now to have this kind of, you know, to have this lecture church service. Yet the English language can be declared to be just made up. So just like the Zodiac, we could easily say the French language or the Spanish or old Latin or Hebrew or what, or English itself. Oh, you can't use that to explain your world because it's just a bunch of made-up shit. We have no idea the origin of the numerous languages spoken across the plane of this earth, nor do we know how languages are created, whether they have been given to us by more advanced cultures, handed down by God himself. No man, nobody here, nobody across the plane of this earth, if honest with himself, can fully answer any of these questions. Yet here we are, right now, using this language every single day to communicate the world to one another, discuss philosophy, engage in scientific inquiry, debate theologies, tell our children we love them, and yet no one bats an eye or even questions our, our own language's ability to function perfectly to suit our needs. And from whence, from who and whence did this linguistic system arise? Where does language come from? We don't have a freaking clue. We know not, nor can we. The past is the past, and that is that. So here we are, using language every single day to communicate our world to one another. And somebody could come along, some, you know, whatever, materialist, you know, scientist, basically pseudoscientist, that's what we understand them. Materialist science, scientist that comes along and says, well, you can't use the Zodiac to understand anything. It's just a bunch of made-up stuff. Somebody, just, not like a lion up there, they just put this shit up there. You could say the same thing about our language. If our language has been given to us and works perfectly, may we not say the same for the houses, signs, symbols, and names of the Zodiac? 
Here we have an artifact of our history, just like our language, just like the Holy Bible as well. We have an artifact of our history, a complete and complex system used by navigators, magi, and astrologers for generations, one passed down from great antiquity, one that supposedly um, marked when Jesus was going to come. Is it possible that this zodiac system, just like our language, is perfect at communicating knowledge and transmitting information? So this is one of the biggest critiques that people will have criticisms against the, you know, the astrology. Well, there's not a there's not a Scorpio up there and people just made that stuff up. Okay. You could say the exact same thing about every language that every single person speaks. It's just a bunch of made up shit. Why are you paying any attention to it? The funny thing is, is we actually pay attention to the languages here, right? At, at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ and uncover that these are magical systems. That these systems, for lack of a better term anyway, these systems are there to actually, in in one of their um, one of their principal means, besides just being a you know the thing to communicate knowledge, the knowledge that's being communicated with these systems is divine knowledge. That's what's at the core of our language. That's what's at the core of astrology. Astrology is a big system, as we're going to come to find, to help you return home to God. So the zodiac, just a bunch of made up stuff. Yeah. So is everything else that we use to communicate the world to one another, right? Um, this is why we focus so much on the Zodiac Man. When, when I started studying esoterica, like this is something you would find everywhere. It's like you, you couldn't pick up really a book that was dealing with astrology anyway that the author knew, you know, knew his stuff, that you wouldn't find this somewhere. And there's a gazillion different examples of this. I'm just going to show a few here. We've covered this many times before. But this is basically the notion that God made man in his own image. That people are like, oh, yeah, we're fallen. We're, we're, we're a bunch of we're souls that have fallen. Yes, but we're still made in the image of God. Which means we're made in the image of what? When we look up at the heavens, hey, it's the canopy of the stars above. Those stars are within you. This is what the zodiac man is saying. You look up, you're not looking out. You're, you're, well, you are, but you're looking out as much as you're looking in. And this is why you have the Zodiac Man reflected onto the human being. Once again, this is somebody, a material-minded scientist, right? A, a J.F. Garippy kind of guy or one, any, any of these people that poo-poo this stuff. They could just look at this and be like, oh, this is a bunch of made-up stuff. Just arbitrarily, the freaking Taurus is the neck. And this is just a bunch of hooga-booga, right? Just a bunch of esoteric nonsense. No, it's a divine system that has been passed down since for, from, from great antiquity that is whole, complete, and still in use today. Maybe, maybe we could extract some higher wisdom from it. What we're going to do is look at this system alchemically and understand that it is telling you about the process of death and rebirth and just how to undergo that process. And it's a story that's crafted by the sun. It's not a story that's like, it's only found in this one. We just have to go to we just have to go to Psalms in that fourth chapter, and there it'll be. This is why we always say this here is trying to this book here is trying to help you transcend the book and see the living presence of the Word everywhere around you. The zodiac is a system to do um, to do that is to get you to understand the, the the felt presence of God and what you're what you're doing here. The zodiac is comes from the circle, literally circle of little animals. 
That's basically what it is. A bunch of beasts, animals. Okay? The Zodiac, um, well, we, I'm not going to go into that. Um, I talked a little bit about birth charts, that sort of thing. This is something, once again, I don't do, but, um, you know, this is your, the basic, um, uh, basic elements, I should say, of the Zodiac. Of course, you have the planets, the houses, which are, the houses and the signs are different things. The star signs, the houses are just, um, once again, none of this stuff in the, in the tropical is even referencing the stars. These houses and signs are just named after the constellations, which is, I think, the big confusing thing here. So, um, but those are your basic elements of astrology. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into that. I will talk about the legitimacy of birth charts, though. When you talk about the notion that, once again, this is another thing that's sort of poo-pooed by modern science. It's like, oh, you're born in this sign, so therefore you're going to have these sorts of qualities. Well, the zodiac ultimately tracks the rise and fall of the sun throughout the year. And that pattern, um, the once, we, once again, when you talk about tropical, it's referencing the fact that there is a pattern, a cycle of the seasons. And in that cycle, all of those different time periods that the sun, you know, is, is in, in that cycle has a different quality to it. Winter is different than the spring and spring is different than the summer, etc., etc., etc. So all it's saying is that those qualities are reflected in the human being that's born. So the Zodiac ultimately tracks the rise and fall of the sun throughout the year. That's, that's what it's there to do. It's a big clock in the sky and one that has been ordained and designed by God himself. It's incorruptible, infallible, and available to all. This is where we know that we're in the realms of God. When we talk about universality and incorruptibility. Determining one's personality traits is influenced by the zodiac signs and times is a study based on the premise that the moment of one's birth is considered to be of great importance rather than the point of conception as it is this time when the physical body is revealed to the physical world and thus now is in direct contact with the forces operating in the universe. So I've heard um, people talk about this, that it's like, oh, no, astrology is based on the point of conception. Well, the point of conception is questionable, right? There's no question when the human being arrives onto the plane of existence because there's a vagina and it opens up and there's screaming and blood and, you know, there's the, all that sort of thing, right? But the, the important point of when the baby actually, the child actually enters into the world, that's when the child takes his first breath. That's when the child enters onto the plane of existence. So people that are arguing, and I've heard this and by a few people, I don't want to mention their names, but it's ridiculous. That they're saying, well, no, it's the point of conception that matters. You can't pinpoint the point of conception. You can absolutely pinpoint when a baby enters the world though, right? And so the forces inherent within the new bo newly born are said to be codified by the system of astrology, the system of influences and, and the, the qualities and properties of when they were born. So, you know, this is not woo-woo stuff. Though we will not examine this aspect, um, basically I just want to say the celestial science has been taken very serious by cultures of the past. Um, it's created a blueprint for the soul's arrival into time. Carl Jung said this, and which is a basic, a perfect way to, of an analog or a comparative. We are born at a given moment in a given place and like, like vintage years of wine, we have the qualities of the year and of the season in which we are born. Astrology does not lay claim to anything more. It's you, you were born, when you were born, you have the qualities of the time you were born in. Because why? Because when you were born has certain qualities. Was it winter? How, how much sun were we getting that day? What, what, what phase was the moon in, etc. That's essentially all astrology is doing. Um, astrology has four, um, four elements and three, which is going to reference seven, by the way, four elements and then three qualities or modes. Um, earth, air, water, and fire 
which is the alchemical elements, you know, lauded in alchemy, of course, and cardinal fixed immutable. And um, cardinal signs are considered energetic and dynamic. Fixed signs have persistence, perseverance, and stability, while mutable signs are flexible and adaptable. When you look at this as a whole, as a whole system, what you're looking at is a system of transformation, which is exactly, you know, basically cycle of, a cycle and system of transformation, transformation and renewal. So, and that's exactly what the sun does every single year. So when we talk about a tropical zodiac, the sun's relationship to what's going on on earth, that is giving us a pattern and that is the seasonal pattern. This is what all of the signs, all of the elements, all of the, um, the qualities and modes are all talking about. So when you look at, so basically when you do the start of a, of a, a season, that's where your cardinal is. So if you start the season in summer, hey, it's like, hey, we got, you know, we got the cancer there and then we're going to go to Leo and that's your fixed sign. And that's when you're fixed is when you're in the middle of summer. That's why it's quote unquote fixed. Then you get closer to where you're getting into fall and then there's a change. There's a mutability that happens. Hence, there's a mutable sign. So cardinal means basically the start of uh, a season the fixed means you're essentially fixed in the middle of that season and then the mutable is saying hey we're about to change into seasons hence cardinal fixed mutable this constant transformation this constant um trans you know basically cycle of transformation is also doing what it's also going along with it is transforming earth air water fire so when you look at this alchemically the transformation of your own soul when you look at this system, you're like, oh, okay, what is the sun doing to everything on earth? It's transforming it just by the seasons itself. We know that that's to be true. Now, the qualities, attributes, modes, that sort of thing that are elements that are assigned to this, what are they doing? Tracking and mapping the change, the transformation. So spiritually, what is what does this ultimately say about you? That, well, if you're reflected in that, right, what are you there to do? Transformation and renewal. Death and rebirth. That's exactly what the seasons do. This is exactly what we talked about last week. This, this is exactly why the sun is a symbol of the mysteries because the sun tells you about what? What is the one thing that the sun is doing? Yes, it's tracking this, telling us about day and night. Yes, we know that. Yes, it allows us to see the stars at night. Yes, we know that. Blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, what is it doing? Tell, talking to you, telling you symbolically about death and rebirth. It does it every day, diurnally, and it does it every year. The Zodiac is a system that tells you even more about it. Hence where Cardinal Fix Mutable comes from, etc., etc. Um, if you are going to do birth charts, that sort of thing, number one, a few things I would say is, you know, there's they, they say there's nine planets or there's eight and then Pluto and then Pluto got kicked off and then was, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I will say this though, that alchemically, the, the, the focus hasn't been, you know, um, Neptune and, and Uranus and Pluto. Those were not, as far as I've understood, were not the focus. The focus was always on the seven planets, the sun, the moon, and then the, the, the rest of the, the five, right? Mars, Venus, Jupiter, um, Saturn. Uh, did I miss one? Mercury. Um, <laughs> were, so those five, and then the, the greater light and the lesser light. It was always a focus on seven, not eight or maybe nine or Uranus and Neptune and then maybe Pluto and you'll see this across, in, in many different ways, the focus of the number seven. Of course, in the Bible, the importance of the number seven is all over, right? Seven stars in the hand of the young man and the son of man, seven spirits before God's throne, seven times the prophet command, seven golden candlesticks, seven angels, seven horns, seven trumpets. It's always been a focus on seven. The, the zodiac itself is 
your study of time. This, even Jesus, I mean, excuse me, um, in Genesis, it even says, hey, what are you using these lights for? To track and map time. Then we say, well, what do what is the time frame that we exist in? Well, weeks, days, and weeks, right? What is the week? It's named after the seven, these um, wandering stars, celestial objects, if you will. They are seven in number. So there's always been the focus on the traditional number seven. And I think when we get into astrology, because... We're coming back into a lot of this knowledge in the time frame that we're in right now. Um, you know, I think we really need to re-examine this and say, hey, are we? should we even be focusing on Neptune and, Neptune and Uranus and Pluto, that sort of thing? The seven days of the week named after the seven visible planets. And you have to remember these, the seven, um, the sun, moon, and then the, the, the other five there, uh, Saturn, Venus, Jupiter, Mercury, Mars, those are the ones you can see with naked eye observation. These are the ones that you can see that anybody can see just with their naked eye. So hence why there was a, you know, another, you know, another important reason why there's a focus on seven besides the gazillion that we've talked about on this channel. Um, seven, of course, is the foundation of the cipher. All across the world, you find a, a, a specific focus on seven. Uh, it is singular to observe the important part occupied by the number seven in all the ancient systems. There were, for instance, seven ancient planets, seven Pleiades, and seven, seven altars burned, etc. Well, one of the things when I was doing cross-comparative, you know, um, comparative uh, analysis on mythologies and religions and things like that, I mean, seven is just, it's ridiculous how much you, you see this number. It's, it's like, it's almost like, you know, it's like over the top, a focus on seven. So I'm my my take is that if you're going to do um, birth charts and things like that, I would focus on the traditional seven. This is what I would this is what I would do. Like I said, I'm not an astrologer. So um, one of the things since we're talking about an alchemical understanding of uh, astrology is which we'll get into right now. Uh, alchemy all day long will tell you about the seven, sun, moon, and then the focus of the you know the rest of the five there. You know, you hardly, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the, pretty much every single one I've seen does not include Uranus and, and, and Pluto, of course. Of course, Pluto wasn't even around back then, but so there was a focus on the number seven. There's, um, you know, number seven right there. Sun and moon going into one cup, becoming the Mercury, surrounded by the, you know, other, other four planets there. Um, notice here, the, there's the, the sphere of stars, this is all chained to this. It looks like the sphere of stars there is really what it is. And then it's chained to, um, I want you guys to look at this because this will be important moving on. It's chained to of this double-headed eagle figure. So one, two heads on one body. And then it's also chained to a lion. And then it's also chained to the number seven down below there. You see that? So those, th those three, three becoming one, if you will. Two heads on one body, the double-headed eagle, the lion, and then the number seven. Okay? And this is the, this basically means visit the interior of the earth and rectify the, the what you you find there. Rectify what you'll find, or what you, rectify what's inside and you'll uncover the philosopher's stone. Occultum lapidum, lapidum is the lapis it's the stone, the cult just means the hidden stone, the philosopher's stone, visita means visit, interior means interior, terra means earth, and rectifinato or whatever means to rectify. And it's really what you're doing, going into the self, rectifying um, what you, you know, the, the, the chaos, if you will, of, the, of what goes on in, in the, 
in the alchemical lab that is you and finding the Philosopher's Stone. But all, but once again, based on, same thing here, based on the number seven, based on those seven traditional heavenly objects. Once again, astrology is all based on the studying and mapping and tracking of time. And we live in seven days a week named after these seven planets, uh, wandering stars. So um, to me, it's I would say it's very important to actually rely on the original seven. New Agers are even adding series and other made up other stuff. Yes, I mean, and it's a huge problem. I, I, honestly, I think um, I think astrology really needs to get back to its its basics, um, and that is seven. Yeah. So uh, once again, the ones you can see with naked eye observation. As we talked about the entire, and this is where this is how I came to understand astrology. So I came at it from a completely different angle. Most people that when they get into astrology, they want to start reading birth charts and then starting doing interpreting stuff. And all. I didn't do any of that. I st I studied it as an entire system and said, what does the system have to offer us? Well, as you know, you don't even have to get into you know as we covered last week. You don't even have to get into the ins and outs and nuances of astrology at all to understand what the sun is doing symbolically, poetically, metaphorically, and that is a process of death and rebirth. And that's what the entire spiritual process is all about. Once again, looking at through mysticism, this is a, a consistent theme. You, I mean, the idea of death, rebirth, you know, dying to the old self, being born anew, is all over it. In fact, when I that was one of the big um, analogs that I found within um, uh, Freemasonry, the, the story of Hiram Abiff and, and Jesus. It's just like, wait, they're both talking about like rebirth and the loss and the recovery of the word and this, you know, that why why the same theme? It's because they're talking about the exact same thing. The exact same thing. And that's ultimately that transmutation of the self, which is reflected in what? The stars above. The stars above are reflected in you. They're all one. It's all one thing. So it's all about death and rebirth. This is why we talked um, last week about Prisca Theologia, the universal mystery religion. That you don't... The, in other words, and this is what I said, you could find Jesus Christ. You could find the Lord Jesus Christ and exactly what he wants you to do without ever picking up a Bible and reading it. There's a lot of Christians like, what is he talking about? Well, you're probably, if, you, if you know, that's your position, you probably shouldn't be here. But this is the way of nature. This is what we talk about when we talk about nature. The outflowing expressions of the laws of nature are given to us by God. So he is the one that con that commanded and ordained those stars. The lights, the, di the divine, the Symbols of divine truth in the stars above, right? In the canopy of the firmament above, in the canopy above. He's the one that ordained those. He's the one that made the pattern of the sun, the, pattern of the patterns of the moon. He's the one that made the cycle of Mercury be 88 days. This is all the ever-flowing way. This is the way that God has made it. No one can change it. It's incorruptible. And this is exactly what the Tao is. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. This is exactly what he's talking about. The Tao is the core. The Tao or the way is the core and essence of Taoism. It's the oldest and most important. Um, it could be described as the idea of the primordial natural law on which all the universe has been given its shape and mechanics. The mechanics of how the sun works. The mechanics of how the moon works. The mechanics of our rotating sphere. God has ordained all of them. And he has given that so man can come to understand him. 
understand what he wants of him and what does what does god want of us exactly what the sun does exactly what the tropical zodiac tells us about the pattern of the seasons and what does the seasons do death and rebirth that's the Tao. The Tao leads you. The Tao leads you to the way, right? The, 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 the Tao is the way and leads you to the what? The truth. What is the truth? What is the truth? Where does that lead you to? Life. What is life? Eternal life. So the whole zodiac itself is a process of alchemy. The whole. I mean, you could just say this about the whole creation, the whole cosmology is an alchemical process, is one big cosmic alchemical process in which you are to undergo. When we talk about the Prisca Theologia, this is why it's, you know, it's, you will be once again inundated by this stuff if you take it seriously. Do you know how many correlates you can find to, you know, this story about man undergoing his quest here and to find the light, to be reborn and all based on the houses of the zodiac. This is this is the Orphic Grecian Orphic god Fanes. Oops, sorry. This is Fanes. I you know you don't even have to be very uh, you know astute in symbology and ancient cultures to look at this and see exactly what's going on here. How can anyone possibly look at this? Fanes. He's got the wings. He's flying up to the heaven. You know he's flying up to the heavens. He's He's a God of light and this, Jesus, the light in the center of the Zodiac. You know, most Christians want to deny these connections because once again, as we talked about last week, they want to be the special boys. They want to be the chosen boys. They want to say me, 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 I, 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 mine, 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 mine. And they don't own any of this. It's the way. You don't own the way. You just, you, you're just tasked to flow with it and to understand it. So this has been understood, this fundamental process of death and rebirth, an alchemical process that's crafted within the creation itself has been understood across the world and has been patterned in, all the, in so many of these different religions. And I cover the, a lot of them in um, this book, Lord Jesus Christ. Fanes was a deity of light whose name meant to bring bring light or to shine. Wow, sounds very familiar. A firstborn god of light who emerged from a void or watery abyss and gives birth to the universe. Those are all elements that sound very, very familiar. Why? Because it's all it is is a different culture coming to the exact same universal truths, understanding this culture, understanding what it, what individually what they need to do alchemically. And they crafted it within their stories and their mythologies and their gods. And Christianity is no different. Christianity is a retelling of the Prisca Theologia. And when understood from that angle, the whole Bible will open up to you like never before. A lot of Christians don't want that Bible to be opened up to them. It's just the way it is. So, once again, hence why the sun becomes a supreme symbol of the mysteries, because the sun tells us about death and rebirth. How about this one, of course? The 12 labors of Hercules. You know, it's like, it's, you know, at some point, you have to, there's got to be some connection here, you know? Um, once again, why the halos behind, behind saints, people, enlightened figures, sun gods, people that have been illumined, you know? Um, 
this spiritual rebirth is reflected in physical birth as well. This is something we've covered before on this on uh, in these live streams. Debristilli, twenty-two. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Did I miss anybody here? Get yapping. Um, so when we talk about spiritual rebirth, it's actually reflected in physical birth. Okay. Um, and we'll actually see that within the Zodiac man. So what we're going to do today is look at, just as this live stream says, an alchemical view on astrology. And what we're going to see is all of this, all of the constellations, all of the signs of the Zodiac, no matter what system you use, their placement on the Zodiac, all tell a tale about birth about of rebirth, about the alchemical process of uniting all opposites and being reborn. So let's hack at it. The Zodiac is an alchemical rebirth chart. It's what it is. Okay. So I don't even know where to start here, but let's just go at it. Okay. So we know Aries as the head in the Zodiac man. So once again, here is a system that has been passed down since great antiquity. As far as we know, it's been celebrated by mystics and occultists and esotericists throughout time. It's a, a light all within Kabbalistic literature. And here we have this system that, as far as we know, hasn't changed for a very, very long time. Aries is, as we know, is the head. Okay? Aries the ram is the head. When we look at the, um, the astrology of the zodiac here, we can see that the first, the first house, right, the beginning of the year, we could say, because if we start the year in spring, is Aries, is the head. Even the symbol does this, like it's springing up, that sort of thing. F right from this Aries, this first, the f first of the year, right, and a lot of cultures even have their um, their new year in spring. We, we find the Aries, the head, is emerging from the Vesca Pisces, the Pisces, the two fish, okay? Now, this is where, once again, the synthesis of mathematics and astrology comes in. You have to understand geometry, number symbolism, and the houses and the qualities and that sort of thing, and the symbols and the names of the zodiac for you to, uh, to extract the spiritual message from within it. It's imperative. So when we look at the Vesca Pisces, the Pisces is the two fish. This is where the term Vesca Pisces comes from, right? The Pisces means two fish. This is actually where you get the fish, the Jesus fish. It comes from this central geometric figure of the Vesca Pisces, which is two circles that overlap on each other's centers. So people say, well, where does the Jesus fish come from? Well, once again, your most basic study of geometry will tell you where this ancient symbol comes from. So then we ask, well, why aren't those Christians then studying geometry to understand these things? Because they don't care. Most Christians don't give a shit. They don't actually want to know anything about their Bible. And this is why it says, this is why I actually started with this graphic here. It's a straight and narrow gate. Most of the Christians are walking through the big gate being like, it doesn't matter. Was it, you know, just a bunch of number mumbo jumbo and geometry and you can make numbers fit anything and who cares about the Zodiac? Zodiac is divination. Blah, 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 It's basically a bunch of people wanting to remain ignorant about what scripture and the stars are trying to tell you. 
So the symbol of the Jesus fish comes from the Vesca Pisces, and there's no question about it. So here we have from the head of the beginning of the year emerging from two fish. And once again, those two fish in esoteric Christianity, they'll talk about this all the time. This is where they come from, that symbol. That symbol of the Vesca Pisces is known as literally a geometric womb. It's literally what it's been, it's literally what its symbol is. It's a, it, in this sense, it's a geometric vagina, is what it is. Okay. Um, where am I? Where'd I go? Here I am. And you can actually see this in other cultures. So here you have this motherly figure that's reaching between her legs and opening up her womb and into the shape of what? Of a JJ, a vesica. Pisces. So once again, what do we have coming out of the two fish of the Vesca Pisces? The head, the head, the Aries, the ram, the lamb, the head. What What is the first thing that comes out of a, when, when a woman gives birth? Supposed to anyway. I came out ass first. Cesarean section. Sorry, mom. It's supposed to be the head that comes out. So here you have a geometric womb and a head emerging from that geometric womb, just like in the process of birth. So this is the vesica. This is once again, you'll see the vesica, the vesica Pisces, by the way, is all over Christian art. And as far as I can tell, most most Christians have zero interest in even understanding why. I want you to look at that one on the left there. That is a symbol of mother Mary, the Virgin Mary. And I don't know. I mean, you tell here. Let's look at this one. You tell me what does that look like? If you've ever been down there, I'll tell you that's exactly, pretty much exactly what it looks like. There is the Virgin Mary, clearly shown as a vagina. Why? Let's go here. There's another one. Here's Jesus, all over, all day long. Emerging from that central womb or or literally geometric vagina. Illustration art across the world. Why? Here's the one when we were in Prague. Actually showed you the, you know, sketched it out there. And you can see that's literally the Vescopi the center of the Vescopisis. And then under that is a Vescopisis. So, and this is like the central theme on, on this um, cathedral in Prague. So once again, so let's go back to our zodiac, our alchemical zodiac wheel. So you have from the Vesca Pisces, the head emerging from this. Okay, cool. Now the next signs are, uh, so you have Aries and Taurus, right? This is the female reproductive system. So we already noticed that, okay, the mother Mary here, the virgin, blessed mother Mary is talking, at least in one symbolism there. I don't know how you could... You know, misconstrue what this is. What? Sorry, where is she? This. I don't see how you can misconstrue what that is. Pretty damn clear. Pretty damn clear what's being referenced there. So right there you have from the virgin, right? From the, the Vescopices, you have the ovaries, which is the head, and the torus. This is the female reproductive system. It's been no, It's been shown that the, the, the uterus is in the shape of a bull's head, okay? Now, this is literally the shape of a bull's head. So this is, and then what comes from, you know, when, you know, every month of 
eggs from the, the ovaries, they drop in, right? And this is when a woman can get pregnant. So this is the uterus shaped by a bull's head and literally named uterus, just like Taurus, uterus. Flanking, you know, part of this, uh, the whole reproductive system is, of course, of course, the, the ovaries or the aries, the ovaries and the uterus. Right from the uterus is the cervix. What does cervix mean? It means ligament in the neck. It says, comes from the Latin, the neck or the nape of an act, of a neck, the neck. That's what the cervix means. So the neck of the, of the female reproductive system is attached to the uterus. Well, what is Taurus? Taurus on the Zodiac man is the neck. So the uterus, which has a neck called the cervix, has ovaries which drop into that uterus. And this all comes from what? A, 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 a geometric vagina. So, let's go back here and let's look at what's right before this womb, this geometric womb or vagina. Well, it's a man pouring water out. What's the first thing that happens during a birth? Before the the child is before the child come, comes out of the, the the vagina, the waters break. The waters break. That's what happens. Oh, I, my water broke. That means birth is coming, right? That means the baby's going to start going upside down in the womb and getting ready to come out, head first. So right before a, a geometric vagina, you have the waters breaking that leads to a head, which is called the Aries. That leads to a neck, which is called the uterus, the torus, and the ovaries. All of these things have to deal with birth. What is after the uterus? Which the torus, by the way, the bull's head is shaped like the female reproductive system. What comes right after that? The birth of twins, Gemini, two. So here we have... A good portion of our zodiac understood symbolically once we once we correlate to the very systems that we were given looks like a story of birth so now before that water broke that that came out of the geometric vagina that led to the head merging out of the womb that of course with the cervix and the torus and the uterus and the ovaries what came out was the gemini what was before all of that before the water's breaking well, that is the Capricorn of the sea goat. It's a goat. Goat is the same family, I think it's the Bovidae, as the, as the Aries. It's the same family. Sheep and goat are, you know, they're, they're not the same, right? But they come from the same family. Um, and so here we have, before the water's breaking, you have a goat. Then the water breaks, goes through the vesica vagina, the two fish, and then a goat, right, or a sheep is born. What happens in Capricorn? The sun is born. The sun dies, if you will, and is born. This is when Christmas is celebrated. A sun is born. So let's stop here a second. The sun is born, right? We have the sun about ready to be born, right? In this sense, it was the lowest on the horizon it could possibly be. Then all of a sudden, now there's going to be more light after the after the winter um Solstice. <laughs> Water's breaking through the geometric vagina, giving birth to the head. 
the uterus and the ovaries, and then you have the Gemini, which is two. Remember this. So that takes care of half of our zodiac right there. Sun is born, the waters break through the, the, the geometric vagina, the ovaries and the uterus, which gives birth to the head, the neck, which is the cervix. It's all there. And what does it give birth to? Twins. Now, what happens? Cody Van Dyke, 25 bucks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're so kind. Uh, we'll get to the 28-day Matt. Come on. Um, we, if you correlate the 28-day menstrual cycle to astrological cycles, you get a direct correlation. Yes, we'll talk about that, actually. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. So now we've got half of our zodiac. Now, the twins, what happens right after the Gemini? They split. The twins split. Right? This is what the, what is the, what is the most prominent symbol of cancer? Just like if you ask, what is the most prominent symbol of Scorpio? What's well, a stinger, Right? Is, you know, a stinger is the most prominent thing. It's got little pinchers and stuff like that. But, you know, that sort of thing. Cancer's got big pinchers. What do pinchers do? They split things. This is what cancer means. In fact, when you have cancerous cells, it literally means to split. And that's exactly what's going on. What is also happening during the year? This is what the split of the year. This is the solstice. Now we have this side of the year and this side of the year. And that's exactly happening on cancer. So if we look at this mystically, Spiritually, what happens to that being that's being born? Right? It's got, well, the Gemini, it's the two. Well, those two are split. In other words, you have, looking at it, once again, mystically, metaphysically, what do you have? You have the energy of the human being split, a man and woman being split. You could say positive and negative, you know, Adam and Eve, whatever you want to say. You have basically the one that's split into two. This is what's going on. So, left and right, yin and yang, Adam and Eve, Shiva and Shakti, that sort of thing. Now, so let's stop there. Let's go back. Before the sun is born, how, uh, you guys, great teaching. Thank, I love you guys. Virginia Dare, come on now. I love you. Yeah. Cancer is the manger. Oh, yes, yes. I know. Um, we'll talk about that later. Not going to talk about that right now. But, um, but PK, to your point, what is, so the sun is born, right? The sun is born when? In Capricorn, correct? What is right across from Capricorn? Cancer. What's in Cancer? It's known as the manger, the beehive. Um, there's a couple different asterisms there, but known as the manger. So Jesus was born in a manger, but wait, he was born in he was born Christmas, right? The whole solstice thing. Right across from that is a manger. So now the sun is being born, right? The, the sun is about to be born. Water's breaking, coming out of the, v, the geometric vagina, etc. What's right before Capricorn? Well, it's Sagittarius and Scorpio. Now I just said, what is the most prominent thing on Scorpio? Well, it's, it's a stinger, right? Clearly. Well, the Zodiac Man tells you what those two constellations are. The constellation Sagittarius is the thighs, and Scorpio is the genitalia. So the Sagittarius is the thighs, and Scorpio is the genitalia. Well, the woman, where is her vagina? It's between her thighs. I've been there. Trust me. If you haven't, you should go. It's great. Um, I'm late. God forgive me. Strike you down, dear heart. 
So, Scorpio, the penis. Sagittarius, the thighs. What does it take to make new human beings? You put the penis into the vagina. This is exactly what's happening right before the sun being born that leads to the waters breaking, that leads to the geometric vagina, which outcomes the head of the ovaries and the uterus, which brings birth to the twins. What is, we have the thighs and the vagina of the Sagittarius and the penis of Scorpio. This is exactly right there. There's your thighs. There's your penis. Learning about the birds and bees today. The birds and the bees, like the beehive and cancer in the manger. So, um, and this is what we're going to talk about being born again. The whole story of the Zodiac is a process of birth, which ultimately means it's a process of what? Spiritual rebirth. Said, hey, except a man be born again. You got to be born again. You got to go through a process of birth again, in other words. And the Zodiac's telling you all about it. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again, being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We know that. So this is exactly what's going on in our zodiac. Once again, the penis of the Sagittarius enters into the thighs vagina of, oh, excuse me, the penis of Scorpio, pardon me, enters into the thighs vagina of Sagittarius and gives birth, gives a con conception to a new sun, new sun being born. That sun is the Capricorn. It's a goat. It's of the Bovidae family. And the next thing you know, that waters break and that bo that goat comes out of the geometric vagina. And what does it come out? As Aries, the lamb, the ram, as the head. So, okay. So here, let's, we got everything going on, right? And that gives birth to the head. Of course, the torus, which is the, literally looks like the female reproductive system. It's the uterus and the ovaries and the cervix, which is the neck, which is torus, and gives birth to the twins. And those twins were split. The man, man and woman, left and right, the opposites were split. That's what the, that's what Gemini is. To the, you know, Castor Pollux are opposites kind of thing. So the alchemical process is bringing all of these things back into one and merging them. And how do we do that? The core symbolism behind the androgenine is what we'll talk about today, is that all things, every differentiated and unique form, all polarities in creation ultimately converge into one holy union that is God. This is our process here. This is what the whole zodiac is telling us about. This unity of opposites into one singular divine human form is solidifying through, symbolizing, through symbolism the alchemical work of becoming reborn again through Christ. You have to go through a process of rebirth. The religious impulse is seeking reunification with the one. It is unity with God, eternal life with the Lord, never being separated from the creator. It is man's ultimate goal here on earth to bring all differentiations and divisions back into oneness and unity with God. It's to recognize that, hey, the day and the night, and the, the, the man and the woman, and the, the left and the right, and the, the, the celestial and the terrestrial, and the, 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 the yin and yang, all of these things come from one. Alchemy is the psychological process of undergoing that in your own psyche and recognizing it, having that experience of the oneness of God. The male and female archetype found within alchemy repeatedly is signifying this holy and blessed union, marriage and wedding. It's the, you know, it's the holy matrimony. We hear of this wedding in Revelation um, 19.7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. 
literally sexual, you know, metaphysical in this sense, sexual intercourse is what's going on, to produce a new child within you. Revelation makes several references to this unification of opposites or coincidentia positorum, oppositorum. Um, we, find, we hear that the city of the Almighty Lord God, not just the Almighty God, it's when Lord and God have been joined. Lord is not separate from God anymore. Now they're just one. In the city of the Almighty Lord God, there's no need for the sun or moon. There's nothing but the pure light and essence of the Creator. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. It's all one. All comes from one. All returns to one source. Just like we talked about last week, there's only one God, and only one cosmology, and only one spiritual directive, and only one religion, and only one alchemical process. And until you learn that one, you're not going to know jack all. You're never going to be able to understand these stories. You're never going to be able to understand any of those religious texts unless you first get that understanding from God himself. It does not come from a book. The book is trying to get you to understand it everywhere around you. This is the alchemical and and androgen. I always say this incorrectly. Androgen. What does it look like to you guys? It's a man and a woman merging into one. It's a man and a woman merging into one. How do we do this? How do you do that? How do we undergo this alchemical process to merge all these things back into pure unity with God? This is this the, the metaphysical, spiritual work that one must do. How do we do this? Well, we do it through the heart. We do it through the heart. And this is why we always talk about that when people say, like, Gnosis, they're just, they're just after knowledge because they want to be all smart and they think it's secret. And <laughs> It's a bunch of damn trash. No, no, true knowledge comes from the heart, period. End of story. And any actual spiritual seeker will knows this to be true. Knows that it come that that the unification of opposites comes from loving, uh, you know, not hating the world, loving God, doing what's good, what's righteous, having virtue, having faith, pursuing knowledge for uh, for the sake of understanding God and truth, not to lord it over your fellow man or anything like that. All of this comes back and is centered in heart work. It's all about the heart. That's how you unify the opposites. So let's go back to our alchemical wheel here. So we have the the penis of the Scorpio, which mates with the thighs of the vagina of the Sagittarius. It's exactly what they are in the Zodiac Man. And that produces, conceives a new child, and the child is born in Capricorn, across from the manger. When that child is born, the water's broke. And through that vagina, through that, literally what is understood as the Virgin Mary, the vesica vagina, if you will, from that emerges the lamb, the ram, the head of the church, ovaries, the aries. From the ovaries and the uterus, of course, from that cervix of the neck of the bull head, 
is the uterus and the cervix and the neck. From that emerges what? The twins. And the twins are split. The twins are split by the cancer of crab, the, the crab of cancer, big pinchers. Took that energy of the one being and split it. And your job is to bring it all back together. And how do you do that? Well, you do it through the heart, which is the next sign. Leo. Leo is the heart of your zodiac man. And how do you how do you do that? Well, you purify the heart. You purify the heart. That's what you do. Which is what? The next sign, which is Virgo. Which is opposite what? The vesica vagina, the Virgin Mary, of which the lamb was born from. So you recognize all the spirit and the matter and the up and the down and the left and right and the forward and the reverse and the, the symmetry of the hands and the split of the body and the man and the woman and the sun and the moon and the spirit and the matter and the celestial and the terrestrial and you take all of those and you say, wait a second, all of those came from one source and that's God Almighty. And how do you do that? You do it through heart work. You do it through the purification of your heart. And ultimately, as any spiritually enlightened, anybody, anybody that's undergone any sort of quest in alchemy and esoterica and mysticism will come to the absolute, you know, spiritual notion that all of this must be done through balance. And what is the next sign? Libra. Which not only balances the year of the equinox, of course, but what, what is it also telling you to do? You have to balance, be balanced in this world. Purify the heart. Bring all the things that have been split back into one and be reborn. And this whole process tells you of the whole thing. The man and woman coming together, unifying to create a new child. And that child comes forth with the waters breaking through the Vesca Pisces and as the new son is born. Where does that son born from? Right? The ovaries and the uterus, which talks about all about what? Birth. Birth. The whole thing. You must be reborn. The story is right up in, in the stars above. The ovaries and the uterus. And what's born? The twins. Ah, the twins were split. Ah, they got to be split, but they got to be brought back together. How, do they, how are they brought back together? Through the purity of the heart and balance. And when you have the purity of the heart and you're balanced, then what happens? You're reborn. And then what's, what, what happens again? Oh, the man and woman come together. They unite. The entire zodiac is an alchemical rebirth chart. This is the alchemical manifesto. This is the Opus Medico um, Chimicum. I think this is Daniel Milius. Michael Mayer? Daniel Milius, I want to say. Uh, very famous illustration. But what do you see here? I don't know. It looks like all the opposites of the heavens above and below, they're, they're one. And there's got the, the day and the night and they're merged into one. And then the man and the woman and they're merged into one. And everything seems that they got, oh, look at the bottom there. Oh, look at that. There's two lions in front of them. Almost as if those like lions were like split or something. It's like they were like split lions. And then you have to bring them together through the purity and remain balanced.
the sun and the moon, the man and the woman, the left and the right, the up and the down, the, the celestial and the terrestrial, they're all merging into one. What's right above that dude? I don't know. It looks like fairly like, I don't know. Is those zodiac signs? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's definitely a focus on the stars. <laughs> Let's just say that. So that, there you go. This is also, I, I've showed this many times before. When we talk about the Prisca Theologia, that this message is across the world. It's written in the fabric of everything. There is only one message. There's only one God and one cosmology, and he's given one spiritual directive and one religion to man. And this is to merge all opposites into the through the purity of the heart to be reunified by God, with God. This is Richard Gassaro, great dude. Nathan, he's Nathan. And um, he went around the world and showed how culture after culture, Colombia, Egypt, Afghanistan, Peru, Italy, Lebanon, China, India, Greece, Iraq, Spain, uh, Nigeria, all over the damn world, you can find the exact same icon. And what is this icon doing? Earth is an anagram for heart. Yes, exactly. What are we here to do on Earth? I don't know. Mix up some letters. <laughs> right. So uh, stay silent and listen. Um, so here you have a central figure and it's between opposites and he is holding together. It doesn't matter how it's, how it's symbolized across the world. Uh, Richard, I, uh, Richard Cassaro calls this the God self icon, two opposites merging, bringing them together. It doesn't matter if it's two snakes or two lions there or two, whatever staffs, or it doesn't matter the exact same symbolism. Why? Because there's only one religion. And if you think, if your mindset, if your heart set is mine, 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 you ain't never going to get there. If you have the opinion that I have the one right true way and you don't, you don't know the first thing about the way, the first fucking thing, pardon my language, about the way. Nothing. Because you're stuck in a book. Let's go back to those, the feetsies. Let's go back to the feetsies. Where am I? Where'd I go? Who's somewhere here? So this all started with a, a geometric vagina of the Pisces, right? So everything was born from this geometric vagina, right? The, the, the year itself, spring itself, when, it, when the sun finally crosses the equinox, right? And the days start to get longer. This is when spring and the new year is usually celebrated. So we have the birth of the lamb, the birth of the ram, and we have it in the new year. And it's born from what? Pisces. It's born from the feet. Correct? Because that's exactly what Pisces are. Feet. So, once again, why a synthesis of geometry and the star study, actual observation of the stars, the symbolism, the names, as well as the, the math, the geometry is all, this is, this is what astrology is. It's a, it's a syncretic study. So here we have Pisces, which is two, two fish and it's the feet. It's the feet. Okay. And this whole thing is about death and rebirth. It's rebirth. Well, so there you have the Pisces, the, the feet, the two fish, and a reference to feet. This is your menstrual cycle, not yours. I mean, ladies, but 
This is a woman's menstrual cycle. So the menstrual cycle, bunch of number mumbo jumbo, oh, numerology crap. Oh, oh. I can't believe I'm relaying this level of information and we're going broke. I think that's hilarious. Anyway, so menstrual cycle. The menstrual cycle is actually found on the human hands. So pay attention. The woman, an egg drops in the uterus, right? So when we talk about the uterus, we've got the ovaries and the uterus and the cervix, which means neck of the uterus, which is the torus of the neck here. And right, so, so we've got the bull and the bull drops an egg every uh, between the, between its cycles, roughly around the 14th day. That cycle, that menstrual cycle, is roughly a 28-day cycle. No, it, it can vary, of course, right? It can go 29, and some, sometimes earlier, later, that sort of thing. But roughly, generally, and genuinely, generally, understood to be 28 days. So, the that 20, that cycle, that menstrual cycle, is found on your hands. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. And 14 times 2 is 28. So you have 28 phalanges on your hands. Well, the egg drops in that cycle of birth. In order, in order for a woman to get pregnant, that egg's got to drop. It drops at a certain time. It drops right around the 14th day, just as you see. Well, that 14 is right between your hands. 28-day cycle. The egg drops right in the middle of God has literally placed that cycle on you. Why is that important? Because your feet have the exact same number of phalanges. There's 14 phalanges on each foot. Two on the little, the big toe, and the rest of the little piggies each have three phalanges. So there's 14 phalanges on the left foot and 14 phalanges on the right foot, totaling 28, which is exactly what you find in the menstrual cycle, which is all about what? birth. Why is this important? Because this all came from the feet of Pisces, the feetsies. The mathematical pattern of being born is on your feet and your hands. So when we go back to our alchemical, uh, uh, Zodiac here. <sighs> right where you're born. Right where this whole thing, right where Aries, the lamb is born, is what? Two feet. And what does that, that have? The cycle of the mathematics of the cycle of birth. So we say, oh, what does this have to do with you, our spiritual, you know, what does this have to do? That's because this is all about your spiritual rebirth that is encoded in the zodiac above is reflected in your actual physical birth. The process in which, you're, which a woman is able to even get pregnant reflects our spiritual rebirth. It's a science. Just like all those ancient mystics and seekers and theologians said it was. It's a science. 
Yeah, as above, so below, right? So that's going to do it for me. Does that make sense? six watching right now yeah the level of this info is intensely needed Stella I agree yeah maybe you get to Kanye to say your name truth recorder needs a big mouth <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think that's ever gonna happen so um, Jonathan Walter thank you for spending the time to share these sermons with everybody you are welcome this is blind Willie he doesn't care about pop at all he's like where's my mama where's my mama Oh, oh, there's dried liver over there. <laughs> okay, so, um, the Lakota way of life, Lakol Wikoan, summons each tribal member to mirror the good life which exists among the stars in their own Teospai here on Earth. In other words, your... Alchemy, your process to be reborn, what you're to do here, God is placed in the divine lights in the stars above. And this is really, in my opinion, what the Zodiac is all about. Now, I'm not saying you can't use the Zodiac to find personality traits and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, there's so much that we're just beginning to rediscover with the Zodiac. And I will not be the researcher to, to do the discoveries on medical this or, you know, botanical that because I'm not that guy. But what I can tell you as a guy that's looked at this as, with, you, know, a, a, you know, as systems analysis kind of mentality, um, your, your, your spiritual rebirth process is, seems to be crafted in the stars above. So there's that. So I hope you've learned something today. That was two hours. That was far too long, but that's okay. Um, thank you all for being here. Uh, it's God's spiritual map of salvation. Yes. Yes. What was Luke doing? You had to hide Luke? Oh. Yeah. Let's do these. Okay. Anyway. He's asking who Thunderchuck is. There's Thunder Chicken. I don't know. Anyway, okay, guys, if you get a chance, um, thank you, Marty. Packed, chock full of goodness as always. Thank, so thankful uh, for your work and sharing it with us. Praise the Lord for you. Thank you. Uh, not too long went by so fast. Okay, cool. You're not wrong, Marty. Well, sometimes I am. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you wanna if you wanna support the work, the best th best thing you can do is um, tell this. Uh, you know, spread the word. Number one, uh, buy a book. Um, donation, that sort of thing is always available. And so, yes, and you can go to GnosticAcademy.org. Sorry, I'm all freaking all over the place right now. Uh, you can go to GnosticAcademy.org and you can do one month tithing, um, one year, that sort of thing. Hopefully we can keep this baby up and running. So, <laughs> yeah, not a church for the meek. Yeah, no, there's not. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for me. I really appreciate everybody showing up today. Uh, 115 watching. It's really great that I can even get 100 people. We were talking to our friend Bonnie last night, and she was saying this really nicely too. But she's just like, you know, it's amazing you even get 100 people to show up. <laughs> it's just like, thanks, Bonnie. But uh, it's true. Because of 
what we deal with and the topics, you know, when it comes to esoterica and stuff like that, when it actually comes to meaning in people's lives and the meaning of all this stuff that is around us that we've been completely inundated by, that it, most people just don't seem to care. It's just, it is what it is. It's a straight and narrow gate kind of thing, you know. So it is amazing that I get anybody even to show up. So the fact that you guys are here, I really uh, appreciate it. The analogy of mine, 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 mine is brilliant. Yes. Why are you not a mod? God bless it. Add the moderator for sake of Peter, Paul, and anyway. Thank you, Broken Bear. Unbelievably small corner. It's a tiny corner. It's just a little... Uh, okay, that's cool. All right, well, uh, again, I hope you guys learned something. So we're going to... Um, oh, let me do this. That's going to do it for me. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. So uh, we're going to listen to a track from, once again, Andy Laub. Um, I really love this soundtrack, and um, I can play this music without getting copyright struck. So, striked, strucketh, struckethith. And this this song is called Willamette, which I used to live, uh, which is actually a street in um, Oregon. And I used to live right by that street. And had many beers in some bars on Willamette Street. Anyway, so it's a really great tune, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And that's going to do it for me. Next week, we're going to... Jennifer said she wants me to do um, Symbolism 101. So I think we're going to do that. And uh, I'm the cannabis farmer. Well, hook me up, dude. What are, you, what are you doing? Oh, that's Thunder Chicken. No, that's cool. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Uh, what was I saying? I don't even know. Oh, this is a track by Andy Laub, um, and it's called Willamette, and it's really great. So, and you, I think you can buy this record, and you should, because it's really good. I think you can buy it for like a couple bucks. So, uh, Andy Laub, and is this, uh, it's from, oh, I never know the name of this documentary. Anyway, it's on the graphics. So, uh, next has goods to, oh my lord, John Gaggett. Bless you, Marty. John! You wrote me, um, maybe I'll try to do a whole live stream on some of the questions you had, because John had a question about understanding oneness, our, our connectivity of, to God, and um, I really need to cover that, uncover it, whatever, talk about it. So maybe I'll do that as well, but I forgot what I was saying. Next week, Jennifer wants me to do Symbolism 101, so I think we're going to do that, and then we're going to launch into the book of Matthew and start there, and then I'll do probably a few chapters, and then we'll, you know... I'm not going to just do Matthew every single week. We'll do other things, but um, I know that there's a lot of tasty morsels in Matthew, and it really, once again, there's so much astrology there. It's a lot of stuff that we've already covered because it's some of the same stories, but um, it, that'll be good to tackle again because there's a lot of... There's, I, mean, so, I love Matthew. I mean, Matthew's just a great chapter, so your dog is adorable. Yes, he is, but he can't see you. He would tell you the same, but he can't see shit. So... Um, your serious work here is worth copying, distributing, and protecting for future generations. Well, that's why, you know, I'm not, I'm not, then I'll get going. We'll play a little track here. But that's one of the reasons I'm, I push the books um, so, so hard is that, you know, I don't know how long I'll be here and all that sort of stuff, but I really tried to cr make books for future generations as well so that they could learn this stuff um, because I feel like it's so important. And so that's one of the things that I said, hey, like, you know, get these, you know, put, get them on your shelves. Even if you never read it, maybe your child will someday pick it up and be like, holy shit, 
I had no idea. Why didn't you tell me this stuff, Dad? Because you were being a fundamentalist, literalist Christian, and you didn't know jack all? Wow, I had no idea. <laughs> That's sort of why I do it, why I'm uh, focusing on books. And the next book will be, um, I think you'll really like. It's um, it's It should be easy to read. It's straightforward. There's no, uh, there, no math. I think there's one chapter where I just do like a little bit of math. No gematria, none of that. Um, so, okay. That's going to do it. Guys, thank you all so much and uh, enjoy the song. All right, we'll see you next week. As always, many blessings and much love to all.